week on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 402, we are talking Hawkeye season one, episode one, Never Meet Your Heroes, and Hawkeye season one, episode two, Hide and Seek. We're also talking weekly Marvel news, including Disney Plus confirms the launch of Eternals, Marvel and Scarlett Johansson are working on a top secret project, and WandaVision's Agatha All Along conjures up a Grammy nomination. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes, shown via Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Sunday, November 28th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Spectrum Newswide. There's no product placement available here via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey, everyone. Happy National French Toast Day. Wish I had celebrated it. We had cinnamon rolls, so I feel like we definitely missed the boat here. So question for y'all, in your cinnamon to- in your French toast, mm-hmm. do you use syrup or do you use jelly? Syrup? syrup? I've never heard of people using jelly. Oh, yeah. It's jelly. What? If you make your own homegrown strawberry jam... You can put that on there, and it tastes actually pretty good. It's got the same sugar count with it. You know what? Yeah, I'd try that. I have to credit that to my mom. I never would have tried it without mom doing it, and she's enjoyed it. She also does it on waffles. Well, fruit compote on waffles is delicious. I have not seen her do it on pancakes, but she doesn't eat pancakes very much. So anyway. Well, pancakes are just inferior waffles anyway. (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. I think the ingredients are slightly different, though. Not really. Different proportions, I think. It might be different proportions. I don't know. Anyway, happy National French Toast Day. In the meantime, we love talking about Marvel, don't we, Lauren? Because of Pizza Dog. If you'd like to talk to us about Pizza Dog, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. If you'd like to tell us about all the good, good dogs in your life, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can see our smiling faces on YouTube at youtube.com slash gonna geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of Shield skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of Shield is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. I promise everybody we're going to get to our discussion on Hawkeye, which just premiered this past week in a second. But before we get there, I just want to give a big shout out to Chris with his Play Comics podcast. If you haven't listened to the latest episode, it's actually not the latest episode anymore because we're recording on Sunday. He's already published a new episode. But a week ago, he published an episode with two of the creators from the original X-Men cartoon. Chris, that was an amazing episode. It really was. And just the feedback I've got from everybody on it was, first off, they love that X-Men is coming back. They always talk about that before they tell me how they thought of this episode, which really, that's the more important news anyway. But it's just a testament to always ask people to be on your show, and they might say yes. Mm -hmm. And the big news scoop that I heard from that is they are involved and they were crossing the line, just, you know, maybe not so much, but they were running right up to that line with the NDA that they had signed because they are involved as at least consultants with X-Men 97. 
I was really excited that they were even able to say that much. I mean, it's probably helpful that the show's not really coming out till 2023. So there's not a ton they anybody could really say about it. But just the fact that they were willing to say that much, I'm very excited. Yep. They are not used to the Marvel snipers. So they might have gone across the line. We don't know. But anyway, they are involved as cons- at least consultants. We don't know if they're actually writing or anything like that. They did say the majority of the staff was in their 30s and had grown up with the cartoon and we're really excited to be doing that it was a great episode and i encourage everybody to get it chris where they can they find that they can find that at playcomics.com i don't know the url off the top of my head but it is one of the latest episodes and i'm sure sp will throw a link in the show notes i certainly will all right so that is now out of the way let's get talking about hawkeye Hawkeye episodes one and two premiered on Disney plus Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. That was the eve of Thanksgiving in the United States season one, episode one, and it's probably not going to be a season two, but we're just going to go with this was titled never meet your heroes. The IMDB description reads Archer Kate Bishop lands in the middle of a criminal conspiracy, forcing Hawkeye out of retirement. Chris, who directed the episode? This one was directed by Riss Thomas. He has 24 directing credits going all the way back to 2010, nine of which are Saturday Night Live specials, six Comrade Detective, 47 regular episodes of Saturday Night Live, 20 of which was as a segment director, and three episodes of Hawkeye. There's at least one after our discussion here that they're willing to credit him with. The writer for the episode was Jonathan Igla who is also the showrunner for the series. He has seven writing credits starting in 2015, including 33 episodes of Mad Men, one episode of Masters of Sex, and is credited with six writing credits for Hawkeye. Season one, episode two was titled Hide and Seek. The IMDB description reads, Clint has to help Kate disentangle herself from the tracksuit mafia and a real-life murder mystery. The director was the same, so Michelle, do you want to regale us with the writer? This episode was written by Eliza Lominitz Clement, has four writing credits starting in 2017, including 11 Imposters, one Sorry for Your Loss, and one Hawkeye. We're not going to go over the entire cast of the series like we have in the past on the first episode, but we are going to take a second to go over several of the cast members that are main characters with the first couple of episodes. The first one, of course, is Jeremy Renard. You might know him from other works like 28 Weeks Later, The Hurt Locker, a couple of Mission Impossible films, Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation, The Bourne Legacy, Arrival, big movie that was out a few years ago, and The Mayor of Kingstown, which is a TV series. Chris, who was the other co-star for the episodes? Haley Steinfeld arguably the most important person in the show. She was also in Pitch Perfect 2 and 3, the masterpiece of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Charlie's Angels, the 2019 version, Arcane, Dickinson, and the upcoming Into the Spider-Verse 2. Well, we know Haley can sing, so I don't know if we're going to get a karaoke scene in here or not, but I think she would fit well with the Chang-Chi characters as well. Oh, definitely. Although that might be too much fun for the camera to pick up. Lauren, who else was in the episodes? We also have Vera Farmiga as Eleanor Bishop, Kate's mom. You might recognize her from things like The Manchurian Candidate, the remake, obviously. Source code Bates Motel, where she was Mother Bates and Godzilla King of the Monsters. We also have Tony Dalton, who played Jack Duquesne. 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 That's how they pronounce it in the show. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's how it, yeah. Okay. The Armand, whatever it was. It was never stated which Armand he was, but he was... He's the third. No, that's the one that dies. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And the eighth was there, but we don't know what poor Jack is. Anyway, he was in Sense8 and Better Call Saul. And we have a first, don't we... We do indeed. We have Alakwa Cox, 
as Maya Lopez, who we saw in the very end of episode two. This is her first IMDb credit, which is super awesome. She is a deaf native actor, and I'm super hyped to see her role in the series and then how that eventually, spoiler, I guess, leads to her own series. It's not a spoiler. We've talked about it. Nope. She's already credited for it, cast, and it's been out there. I don't know if that's... Is that spoiler territory? I don't know. Michelle, would you consider that spoiler? If you don't know anything about the comics, yes. Because if you're wondering, ooh, who's this character? And you're just like, oh, they're going to be Echo and they're going to survive long enough to have their own show. So I don't need to worry about them dying or getting arrested or something like that. So now I got to throw spoiler warnings at the beginning of this show. Yeah. All right. It's always, no, you got something like this. They have to know the spoiler. Come on. Yeah. The Echo News has been out for a while. Yeah. We've talked about it already. We also have. Piotr Adamczyk as Thomas Tomas. He is a popular Polish actor with 87 credits starting in 1996 and will also be in season three of the Apple TV hit For All Mankind. We also have Linda Cardellini reprising her role as Laura Barton, who she's been in so much. She's been in Freaks and Geeks, Legally Blonde, which I was just rewatching the other day, the Scooby-Doo live action movies, Brokeback Mountain. ER, which I loved her in, Person of Interest, Mad Men, Gravity Falls, which is a fantastic show and her character is great, Mad Men and a bunch of robot chickens, including one where, anyway, it's fine. She's Velma. Just remember her as live action Velma and Laura Barton. We also have the same kids that were in Avengers Endgame. Ava Russo played Lila Barton, I believe that's Lila, and Ben Sakamoto, who is Cooper Barton, not to be confused with Puppy Cooper in my household, and Cade Woodward, played Nathaniel. He was actually, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but he was in The First Quiet Place. So, there you go. We also have Clayton English, who is Grillis, or Grills. He was in one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I didn't see anything else on his IMDb that I would know about. We also had, and please help me here, Lauren, Ivan. I forgot to look this one up. I'm guessing it's Mbakop. Who plays Detective Cottle, who is important in the Kate Bishop stories in the comics. And last but not least, Lauren, you want to take this one. Yes, we have Jolt the Golden Retriever as Lucky the Pizza Dog. And happy birthday, Jolt. It was just her birthday a couple days ago. Uh, It was kind of cute. She posted a picture of herself with a bow and arrow that she got for her birthday. So It's very cute. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the two episodes themselves. We all watched it. We are all excited about it. Lauren, what is your first impressions? My first impressions was I loved it. It has exactly the tone that I was hoping for. I was kind of amused that Kate Bishop, okay, in the comics, Kate Bishop is the one who's got her life together. She's got things more figured out. And Clint is the one who's a walking disaster. Here, they gave her the hawk guy personality. And Clint is the one who's just done with everything. And it makes sense in the MCU. I'm just kind of glad that we got that dynamic at all. Yeah, it has a fun start. I think it has like a buddy comedy feel so far. A little kind of like Lethal Weapon where you have the old grumpy one who's ready to retire and then like the fresh rookie coming in. That's sort of what it reminds me of. Like everyone else, I think this is a great start to the series and ties in well with the movie portion of the MCU without getting all the boring exposition or clip showness to make it happen. It's just boom, here's a couple minutes, here it is, in an entertaining way that we haven't seen before, and goes on and does its own thing. I think the first episode started with a big bang. It was an excellent episode. The second episode, I think, was a little bit more set up than the first episode. I mean, there was some action in the second episode, but I think it was more set up for the rest of the series. And I hope the rest of the episodes aren't as, say, a little slow as episode two. I think we're getting our feet underneath us with all the characters, and I think we're going to start running in episode three and 
we've been spoiled by all the trailers. I think the next episode is going to show us one of the extended trailers in a big scene. So that's going to be a lot of action. And if it's uh, the episode beyond that, I mean, wow. Anyway, this is my first inkling into the tracksuit mafia here. I haven't <laughs> seen them or read about the tracksuit mafia. So I saw them and, and, and honestly, my mind went to another series that we covered before and, and we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I enjoyed the first two. I did watch them on separate nights. So I didn't watch them back to back and I wish I would have been able to watch them back and back, but I'm old and I got tired and I had to go to bed. So I had to continue watching the second one on another night. And then when I rewatched them in preparation for this podcast, I did enjoy just seeing them back to back. I'm going to read a little synopses of both of these episodes. So we won't cover the play by play in our discussion. Here we go. And this is me and my epic reading skills. So please interject if I get something wrong. Anyway, it starts off in episode one, never meet your heroes. Starting off with the Marvel Prue role that has Chang-Chi in it, but no Eternals. The Hawkeye series begins back in 2012 when the Avengers save the planet while decimating New York City. Kate's parents are arguing over money when her world ends. Her dad is taken out in the first blast by the Shatari and she sees her new hero Legolas, I, I mean Hawkeye, saving her and the city from the mean Shatari. Kate is left with her mom, who is never her favorite, and she devotes her life to being the biggest badass she could be. The opening credits are in the style of an animated training montage, archery, martial arts, gymnastics, and fencing. Kate is a brand all onto herself. Moving to the present day, sadly for Kate, her criminal skills are not strong since she cannot pick a lock as she destroys the clock tower, much to Marty McFly's grin. Cue the Hallmark Channel holiday intro theme sequence. Believe me, it was a Hallmark holiday intro theme sequence. And the Rogers musical as Clint experiences some PTSD. As punishment for the clock tower, Eleanor cuts Kate off her credit cards and sends her off to a charity auction as swords have invaded Kate's childhood home. The Bartons try to enjoy the city, while Kate discovers Rose-in-his-mouth Jack is about to become her new dad. Kate is introduced to Lucky the Pizza Dog and begins down the rabbit hole of the elite black market auctions thanks to terrible boss Gary. Ronin's sword unsheaths itself when the tracksuit mafia blows a hole into the side of the building and Kate grabs the nearest unlaundered Halloween costume to hide in. In an MCU fight scene reminiscent of the first season of Arrow, now Ronan Kate holds her own. The Mafia find the Avengers watch as Kate escapes, saving Lucky along the way. Clint swings into action to recover his Halloween costume from 2019 because he thinks he left $20 in a pocket. I mean, it's happened to all of us. Kate discovers a dead Armand III and in a Home Alone remix ends up running down the middle of the street into the bad guys' van. Clint does his Avengers thing and saves his costume only to find a college girl in the pants and not his lost $20. Cue the holiday music outro. So that's it for the first episode. The second episode, Hide and Seek, Clint walks his adopted kid vigilante home and meets Lucky when the tracksuit mafia wants to welcome them home with a marshmallow roast. Leaving the party early and forgetting his Halloween costume from 2019 once again, Clint takes Kate last minute stocking stuffer holiday shopping and drops her off at her weird aunt's house, who has MCU links, apparently, with the West Coast Avengers. Clint searches the bonfire Lawson found for his Halloween costume without success, but makes plans for tomorrow. Clint teaches Kate some basic first aid and enjoys her schoolwork artwork to put up on the refrigerator, then goes to see his kids back off to mom. Clint then gets showed up by the Hunger Games in the street and shows his wear and tear with his hearing aid. Kate gets Clint's digits and makes her dinner plans with her mom and Rose in the Mouth Jack. Clint then has to play by the rules to get his Halloween costume back and displays his epic skills he has fighting Thanos until he agrees to lay down in a deal. Detective Cottle calls Kate about her marshmallow roast without a permit and Clint begs for an ending from his new friend Grills. Clint goes fishing while Kate plays Jedi Sith with Rose in the Mouth Jack. Kate and Clint ask to see the manager because Kate broke the ceiling and they need to pay for damages. 
the manager seems in a rotten mood, and the episode ends. That's basically what happens in the first and second episode. Lauren, you need to talk about a little bit of behind the scenes of the production. I do. So before we start off with anything, I have talked up the Matt Fraction, David Aha, not Aja, run on the comics and how it reinvigorated the Clint Barton character in the comics. It's been hugely influential. It is visually hugely influential on the series. I mean, as well as all of the story stuff like the tracksuit mafia, Lucky the Pizza Dog, just all of that. But the opening credits are greatly inspired by David Aha's illustrations and covers. So much of the visual elements of the show are inspired and taken directly from, more importantly, David Aha's art. And people have pointed this out. People are like, oh, how great is it? And he's like, well, it would be cool if instead of a credit, they actually paid us. Okay. So Marvel and Disney have had problems paying creators. If you look up the legacy of Jack Kirby and how long it took his family to see any money from any of his creations from Marvel specifically, it's incredibly depressing and unfair. And now that Marvel is, you know, back in the, you can make the excuse that back in the early 90s when they were on the verge of collapse, yeah, we can't afford to pay people for stuff, royalties, whatever. I mean, it's not really an excuse. You should pay your artists, whatever. Artists, including writers in this case. But now they actually have the money. They can, I mean, it doesn't even have to be royalties. It can just be like basically a consultant's fee. And we've talked before about how the comics have influenced the shows, the movies, everything. And it's really, really rare that you'll get see anything other than a special thanks to in the credits. I mean, in Iron Man, Addie Granoff, who did the art for the Extremis run, the, the run that reinvigorated Iron Man and was a direct visual representation of the movie, he was actually a concept artist. So, you know, he got some credit other than a special thanks there. But it's becoming a problem. It's an especially sensitive issue right now with people realizing, hey, I need to be paid what I am worth. And it's also with Disney having a history of not paying people who have contributed to properties they now own. Look up what they've done with the Star Wars writers who they were supposed to be paying the residuals and stuff and are like, um, we decided that isn't in our contract. So please support David Aha by the Hawkeye run by he currently has a new comic that's come out that slipped my mind what it's called, but go buy it. It's, you know, Comixology is always running sales or go to your local comic book store. And uh, some people are boycotting. I am not because I am weak, but also because we're doing it for the show. And yeah, just pay your artists, pay the people who do things that you like. I think we can all agree with that. Michelle alluded to the training montage. We talked about training montages before. I don't know who likes them more, you or me, but how'd you like the training montage in this? I thought it was a really great way of bridging that opening of Kate going, I want to be the protector. I need a bow and arrow. And showing her throughout the years, not only doing archery, but also doing gymnastics and fencing and martial arts and just seeing her grow up through this opening credit sequence and it was visually amazing you get i really like it when you can do multiple things with something so you're doing your credits and you're telling the story in a visually interesting way at the same time it was really interesting to watch i think one of the reasons that they did it that way is because she's growing up during that time period and you only have the actor from 2012 and the actor from today in 2020 or 2021, wherever you want to say this happened. So it was difficult to show an aging of her throughout those years, I would say. I mean, there are ways to do it, but I think it would have been difficult with a kid. You could do it better with an older person or a fully grown adult, but with a kid that's growing, I think it would be difficult without multiple actors. Yeah, you just cast multiple people. Yeah. I'm actually really happy, first of all, with that flashback. You can find 
a bunch of places now. This shot by shot comparison, like they play them simultaneously. That scene from Avengers and then Kate's point of view, it matches up so perfectly. They got the timing just right. And the other thing is, I'm really glad that more superhero stuff is starting to do the here's the development of stuff in the opening credits or in, at, you know, at least the first opening credit scene of Hawkeye, because it gives us the origin without giving us the origin. Like, how many times have we seen Uncle Ben and Batman's parents die? We all know the story. Here, it's giving us the highlights and in a visually interesting way and moving on to the meat of the actual story. So back with the Avengers Tower, there was a fan and I forget where I read this over the weekend, but they did a good job of getting the sequence of events. The one thing that they have noticed so far is that the letters on the Avenger Tower don't match up with where they were on in the fight specifically. But I think if you're going to nitpick that much, I mean, I, at least they got the sequences done during there. And I'm so glad they tied the whole thing in there. And it shows the real consequences of what happens in these movies as you go forward as well. So, Chris, I'm not an architect. I'm a rocket scientist. But, I mean, what do you think about the bell tower? I mean, I'm not an architect either, but I do work with building materials. so. I know that things have to have a certain like resistance level to falling down just to put it in layman's terms there. And if an arrow shot from that far away with a tennis ball on it, hits a bell and the bell cracks, your bell is probably not in good shape. And if your arrow shot from that far away with a little grabby grab end, would we consider that our first trick arrow of the series? I'm not sure. It is technically the first trick arrow of the series. Let's go. I'd be okay with that trick arrow. I mean, I've seen a lot of trick arrows on screen now after watching Arrow for so long. So, yeah, it's trick arrow. But if you have that grabbing onto a rope, which presumably is the cause of the bell ringing, and it just kind of goes back and forth and makes the bell ring, and then your whole clock tower falls down, it's probably not very structurally sound anyway. Yeah, it wasn't her fault. If it has a rope going all the way down, that means it rings. Somebody actually rings it because if you don't, if you don't want your bell to ring, you don't have a rope, you have no way to do it. You actually can take out the, oh, the middle part, whatever it's called. I can't the remember. Clapper. Yeah. It's just like there was a rope. That means one sometime, I think Kate did them a favor. That building was not occupied. If somebody would have gone in and some sort of ceremony and rang the bell, then they would have died because that building would have collapsed on them. So really, Kate did them a favor. A public totally. service. Public safety service. Yeah, sure. I think one thing we all want to talk about is the Rogers musical, <laughs> which has become a thing all on its own. I have some things to say about it, but Michelle, I know you definitely have some things to say about it. The song, I could do this all day. Um, the whole Ant-Man wasn't there. It's like really cheesy because it's not like, you know, Hamilton has style to it. For me, this was done in like a, um, gosh, I don't know, because it brings back like the whole Spider-Man musical sort of <laughs> fiasco that happened and, and such. But it's very, you know, this week, Steven Sondheim passed away. And if you're familiar with any sort of, you know, like Into the Woods or anything, you know, Bernadette Peters on Broadway, Sondheim, that's basically Broadway to me. It was just so earnest. Like they're trying to celebrate what happened, but having it being like Smash being the magic word and the whole Ant-Man wasn't there. That was... It was like Ant-Man wasn't even there. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I loved that. I was just watching a video the other day of uh, somebody ripping apart Dear Evan Hansen, both the movie and the musical. And it kind of reminded me of that, the very earnest wearing every emotion on its sleeve. 
It reminded me also a little bit of Rent, which was funny because Adam Pascal, who originated the role of Roger in Rent and was also in the movie version, was the guy in a suit who was introducing everyone. So it's like Adam Pascal is canon in the Marvel Universe. The other thing that I wanted to mention, it's not directly about Rogers the Musical, but speaking of Broadway, the actor who played Kate's dad originated the role of Shrek in Shrek the Musical. Donkey! I just had to say, I mean, that's the, the Shrek line that I know. Donkey! That's the line everybody knows. And better out than in, I always say, you know, everything else there. Anyway, Chris, what did you think about the musical? I'm not a fan of musicals anyway. <laughs> With how cheesy this one is, it's probably one that I would watch at my house. I don't know if it's one that I would go pay tickets for to see on Broadway. Maybe if friends wanted to go, I'd go with them, but it wouldn't be my decision. Yeah, I don't usually go to musicals. However, I did do a double take several times because I swear the guy that was playing Tony Stark was Robert Downey Jr. I swear (laughs) a few times. It just looked so much like him. And the wig on Black Widow made it look like Scarlett Johansson. So couple of them the rest of them was like what and then the cheesy production with the chachari thing over the top and everything i'm like i've seen better things in high school productions yeah it was terrible but it was just enough visually close to it to give clint some serious ptsd i'm pretty sure we're gonna see this at one point in time we're gonna actually see rogers the musical i don't know if it's going to be on disney plus or on broadway or something but it's headed somewhere i think they may have released the full song on like spotify or something they did yeah but i i'm thinking we're gonna get the whole thing i think it's gonna be a thing i don't think it'll be an official thing but i can see tiktok doing it like they did ratatouille the musical so chris You do have something to say about the musical, about what to do in maybe one of the breaks? Oh, yeah. So proper bathroom etiquette, right? Like, okay, everybody knows who Clint is. That's fine. I can just accepting the fact that they live in a world where they're not constantly mobbed for being superheroes and that level of celebrity. I can live with that. But when you see somebody in the bathroom especially in the men's room, because that's more of what I can speak to here. You don't talk to people when they're actually using the bathroom. That's just not something you do. And it weirds me out when people do it at work, but at least there it's like, it's people you see every day. So you can, I can kind of get around that, but especially the second time when he says, Hey, is this an appropriate time now? And they're still in the bathroom. I mean, come on, dude, read the room. Hey, Convention etiquette. I have been to enough sci-fi conventions that I think I can speak on this with authority. Do not approach the talent in the bathroom. Bathrooms are a sacred space. You want to give people their alone time. There are times when it's okay to ask for an autograph or something like that. Bathrooms and when people are eating dinner with their family are like the two that everyone is like, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, when Kate asked clint for an autograph of her bow in her apartment i think that was generally okay doing that in the bathroom was not also i just want to add on to the men's restroom etiquette do not use the urinal right next to somebody you space out a little bit matter of fact if you got a whole wall you go to the opposite end as he obviously didn't do i just want to you know mention that for those that might not use men's rooms i was wondering about that because I don't know men's room etiquette, but even, you know, with women's stalls, we try to skip one if possible. But normally women's bathrooms are smaller, so we don't really have that luxury. But yeah, yeah, I thought I was I was going to ask you guys if the whole you used the one all the way at the end was expected. I was willing to look past him jumping right into the one next to it just from uh framing purposes on the shot blocking framing whatever you want to call it yeah i assumed it was a okay this is going to be awkward because that is like the visual shorthand in movies and tv and stuff it's when somebody's being awkward they come up right next to the guy while he's peeing yep anyway let's move on to something else like uh, oh something that's dirty like a black market auction yeah that was interesting and it took me michelle and i we've did this podcast called starling tribune and michelle wasn't on in in season one i 
actually wasn't on in season one either, but we went back and did some episodes for that on the Starling Tribune. This whole setup with the black market auction and then the subsequent fight was like straight out of Arrow season one, maybe season two. And that is a compliment, by the way, because those seasons of Arrow were done very well. And it wasn't as gruesome as Daredevil. It was just a a knockout fight. And while it wasn't one continuous camera panning the entire fight, there were definitely cuts in the scene. It was still that good. And I enjoyed it. And my hats are off to the, the fight choreography and the story that took them through this whole thing. And I really appreciated that. I also think that they were meant to kill Armand Third there. And she saved that from a happening. And then he got killed anyway later. But I did enjoy the fight. I did enjoy the fight scene. And it was done well, in my opinion. I had a thought about the fight scenes. And it, I'm sorry, it just occurred to me, so I didn't write it down. The fight scenes here remind me a lot of like, in the same spirit as a Jackie Chan movie where the environment comes into play and it's all kind of a little bit tongue in cheek. I really also like that. It, it fits that type of action fits this type of show very well. It makes me want Bam Bam to direct one of these episodes. It was like, Oh, if Bam Bam could have done this, it would have been amazing. That's one of the things I was just thinking. Cause it's like, it's, it's arrow. It's, that street level it's not it, it's not too extravagant it's just like oh uh, and i'm talking about james bamford james bam bam bamford for those of you who are not familiar he was the stunt coordinator and director on arrow who eventually became a series director and a really good one it's interesting that you say that because the guy who plays ivan was a stuntman as well and a lot of his imdb credit he was in a couple episodes of arrow but he was in a lot of stuff including the most notably was like the boxing episodes of battlestar galactica he actually had a run as a character on battlestar galactica so the guy who plays ivan alex Hanoff, i butchered his last name i'm sorry alex but that is his first name is spelled a l e k s not X or C. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a, a foreign spelling. He's in a lot of sci-fi, and then you see his IMDB credits shifting over to CW. And of course, they're all filmed up in the Vancouver area. But he made his way into this as part of that history that we saw as well. I would have loved to have seen Bam. Maybe Bam Bam did do an episode of this. We'll see. But yeah. I enjoyed the fight. We didn't really get a huge fight scene in the second episode. We did get the tracksuit mafia kind of beating up Clint a little bit unnecessarily with a mask that he could see through. And then we got the fencing scene between Jack and with uh, Kate. But the big fight was in the first episode. And I think we're going to get some more varied fight scenes as we go into the future, just judging by what I've seen in the trailers. So, Chris, what did you think about the fight scenes? You haven't said anything about them yet. I really enjoyed them. I really liked that kind of style when it was an arrow. And I really like it here because it's it just seems like something that could actually happen in real life. You know, you're not all of a sudden having Kate be the super best able to take down people that are like twice her size and everything. So just the realism of it, I think, was the biggest draw for me. One thing that did happen in the second episode that was kind of a fight scene, I wouldn't qualify it as a fight scene, but it was a LARP, and we did get some fighting in the LARP. I know everybody wants to talk about it, so Michelle, you want to go first? Sure. First, I actually appreciate the realistic portrayal of people doing live-action roleplay. That's what LARP means. You do have rules when you go... The whole like looky loo thing, regular, you know, like people in regular street clothes and, and everything. That's not how it's done. You just can't walk up to a LARP group because they have a set, set of rules and they have their own like story and whatever they're doing. So I really appreciate how, even though this is Hawkeye, they're making him go, You have to abide by our rules. You are entering our world. We have the set set of rules. You have to abide by them. And I appreciated that. I do some historical reenacting. So we are not to the level of keeping people out because why we're doing it is for educational purposes at a state park. But 
definitely as a participant having to follow rules is something that I can appreciate. And Clint would definitely be those of us who keep our modern watch on and keep our phone in our pocket and like sneak it out when visitors aren't there. But it was nice to see something like that where you've got somebody who's kind of, I don't know if I can follow all these rules because that's who I see coming out to do the reenacting with us. Yeah, I've also done both costuming stuff like with the SCA and some LARPing. And I have friends who do. There's one that happens, I guess, about once a month here in Texas that a bunch of my friends were involved in for years that did involve weapons so there was some stuff that i was like oh my god no larp does this like the whole oh air miming stuff it's like no usually if you're doing something this immersive there's props and there are several different kinds of larps this one it looks like the one that's just the combat heavy with the boffers which if you ever go to Gen Con, you can sign up to try and it's or or sign up to have a class on how to make them. It's a lot of fun. Actually, most cons have classes on how to do that these days. Anyway, but there was some aspects of it that were like, oh, my God, yeah, that's true. Like the boffers and having to sign a waiver and just all of this stuff, having, you know, gear rental. If you don't have some, a lot of places especially the bigger, more established LARPs, will have stuff that you can borrow. And it's easier to, to do a walk-on in a combat LARP than in one that involves characters and plot and stuff. Yeah, it amused me. It amused me greatly. Slightly skeevy of thrills from stealing the costume from the crime scene to begin with, but I'll let that one slide because everybody seems to want to let that one slide. And I think, you know, it was fun to watch. And Clint, by the way, and I fought Thanos as he's walking through the whole thing. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, because he did. He fought Thanos and now he's in his LARP. So, but he ended up having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And he was kicking butt. Yeah. He, you know, he was just like, kill me. And the guy's like, come on, let me, let's do this. Let's, you know, make me look good a little bit. He didn't drink the potion. Yeah. And then at the end, you know, he's like, yeah, you can call me Clint. It's like, I can call you Clint. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Made a new friend. We will see grills again. I do have a question uh, talking about the apartment. So there was the penthouse, but there was no mention of the apartment. So, and Kate mentions she inherited the apartment. I think we might get into that a little bit more because why did the apartment, where was that during the whole thing? Of course, there's something going on with, the mom, Eleanor and Jack, there's something skeevier going on with that whole thing. We'll just see how that all goes. All right. We're coming up on final thoughts here. And I know people still have something to say, but I do have two questions to ask you guys as we're regaling our final thoughts here. First of all, which is the better archer or your favorite archer? You can pick one out of Hawkeye, Katniss, Green Arrow, Merida and Brave, Legolas, or Robin Hood. And that's a lot of names there. Merida, Hawkeye, Katniss, Green Arrow, Legolas, or Robin Hood. And will we see Yelena Belova in this series? So those are two questions to ask you guys as you wrap up. Lauren, why don't you go first? Are we doing comics Hawkeye and Green Arrow or movies Hawkeye and Green Arrow? You can pick and choose. I'm not going to. Okay. So I'm going to go with comics Hawkeye. And yes, we will see Yelena at some point in the series. All right. Final thoughts. I am super hyped for this coming week and the new episode. I am really happy that we're getting some deaf representation that's actually involving Deaf actors. We had a deaf actor in Eternals talk about that when we talk about it. And here, the actress in the very last scene who's going to play Echo, Alakwa Cox, is also deaf. And we have Clint finally in the movies and on screen, it being acknowledged that he's deaf. We have him wearing hearing aids and we see that little like, oh, you wear hearing aids? How? And then the flashback to every explosion he's ever been involved in. Yeah, it's explosions, gunfire, stuff like that. You're going to have hearing loss. As for Archer, 
I got to stick with Green Arrow, not only with the comics, but also, I mean, I watched the entire run and did a podcast on it for like, what, four to five years? So yeah, pick an arrow. Final thoughts? To me, I think the big mystery is, is Clint going to make it home for Christmas? I think I pretty much know, you know, the whole mafia bit and like who killed him on the third and all that type of stuff. But really, I am waiting, like to me, can Clint make it home in time for Christmas? I have a theory on that, by the way. My theory is that the kids and the mom come in to save them in the final episode. <laughs> I don't know. He's promising to go home. Which means there's probably going to be a big fight at the farmhouse. Oh. Maybe. Yeah, I was thinking sticking to New York City. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's going to be, you know, come home. He's going to invite Kate for Christmas, something. I don't know. Or he's going to go home and Kate's going to realize they're following him and go. And there's going to be a big fight at the Barton farmhouse. The kids are going to, I don't know, maybe be involved. Who knows? But it's going to be there and it's going to be fun. The place might explode. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I mean, this is like Hallmark SB. You, you have to keep us apprised. Like, how is Hawkeye doing as opposed to a Hallmark? For those of you who perhaps are not regular listeners and you're just joining us, thank you first for joining us. Also, you need to realize SP is our resident Hallmark movie, Christmas movie expert. You have to let us know how well this is doing according to Hallmark holiday movie standards. Yeah, my questions, I was thinking about my questions that I was going to ask as we were wrapping up today. And I was thinking, well, should we critique the gingerbread house building or <laughs> should we go over, okay, how many different tropes are we actually checking off the Hallmark holiday bingo card as we go forward here or something like that? But Okay, so how are we doing so far? We did get the intro. The intro, once we got to it in New York City, when you have the city pans and the Christmas music playing and everything, that's straight out of every single Hallmark Channel holiday movie there. So we got that. We don't have a romance between anybody or a will they, won't they, or if they're together. Because I don't think Hawkeye and his wife, Clinton, Laura, I don't, I don't think the Bartons are having any sort of issue whatsoever. Matter of fact, Laura is being very supportive of Clint as he's going through all this. She knows everything that's going on in Clint's life, even calls the play. Oh, one of Nat's favorites with the catch and release. There's nothing that going on there. There's nothing, nothing going on between Kate and Clint, maybe a pseudo father daughter thing, but there's no romance there whatsoever. I think we're not going to get any romance. So as soon as we take romance totally out of the equation, we have gone off the reservation in terms of hallmark holiday channel movies now that said we're hitting all the other tropes like uh, i'm sure we're going to get ice skating or going through it you know new york city ice skating thing we got the tree the tree lighting even though it wasn't on screen they went to go see the tree thing you got the gingerbread house they named off all the events that's like the list of all the christmas activities that is filled out in a hallmark channel movie about the holidays so yeah we're doing okay as far as the Hallmark holiday movies go with the tropes, but we don't have any romance. So I don't know how to equate that. That's like, like the major thing out of the Hallmark channel is romance and we're not getting a romance. So, which I think is a good thing, but it is kind of like Die Hard. So I'm, I'm kind of liking that we've got explosions so far. I mean, we've got the, the fire of, of the apartment and we had the chare coming in. So, I mean, it's not, right there in christmas but okay anyway i've talked too much here on that i do have a question for you though michelle you didn't answer if we'll see yelena or not i can't remember right now who that is she's the new black widow oh maybe i don't know now remember at the end of black widow she was given by madam hydra clinton's name as the person who was responsible for scarlett johansson as black widow's death so she is out to get Clint at the end of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that's why I was wondering if we were going to see her in this series. Or oh, not. like if she's the one that hired the tracksuit mafia or something. Perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Chris. I'll answer the Alina question first. 
I definitely think she's going to be in here because Disney is going to have to have their crossover stuff. And I guess Marvel as well. I'm sure a comic book company likes to have crossovers. As far as my favorite Archer, I'm still going to have to stick with Robin Hood. Again, going with the Disney version because you have a fox who doesn't even have thumbs, is able to shoot an arrow while it's in the air to redirect it and have it go out and hit a bullseye. Very well done. I forgot about the Robin Hood version or the Disney version of Robin Hood. I hum that <laughs> stupid song the whole time too. And I'm not going to say it here because, well, take down notice, but yeah, that uh, song from Robin Hood, I sing or hum or whistle all the time. All right. I'm looking forward to the next four episodes. They've done enough setup that I'm in. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to do this anymore. We're just going to wait until it all comes out and we're just going to do a final episode. We're going to keep on doing episode by episode as they come out. I do have a question on whether or not we're going to get to the 22nd or not, or if they're going to do final two episodes the week before. I don't know. We'll see if it does last until the 22nd of December, because right now that's the week that's the fifth week out we might not record right away on it so we'll just have to play that how it goes meantime i liked it so far so we'll see uh, next week we'll talk about episode three i don't have a title yet has anybody noticed the title for episode three out there nope i nope. haven't looked i gave up after our what if imdb changes i'm pretty sure it'll be out on tuesday before the episode comes out on wednesday and then we'll record on Thursday. So that'll be it. In the meantime, we got some news to talk about, and we're going to get to that right now. So we're going to talk about the first one first, at least it's the first one in our show notes. It's that Scarlett Johansson and Marvel are working on a top secret project, which is unrelated to Black Widow. This puts Scarlett Johansson in a producer role. This is probably the result of her legal settlement that she had coming out of the Black Widow lawsuit, and I'm looking forward to her talents as a producer. Yeah, definitely. I'm interested in seeing what the project is since, yeah, it's not related to Black Widow, but it's Disney. Is it like, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. I was going to ask if anybody had a thought on where it was going to be. I was scratching my heads over maybe it's a Young Avengers activity. I don't think so. I think it's probably a property that she's interested in, like maybe at adapting a book series or a movie script that she came across ages ago and liked. Who knows? Hmm. All right. Well, once again, I don't personally know of anything that she's produced. I'm sure I could look up her IMDb and check it out, but this will be a, a big thing for her. And I think. It's well-earned over the years for her being involved. Also, we are going to cover The Eternals when it comes out on Disney+. Plus. Some of us have seen it already. Some of us have not. I'm not going to force anybody to go into the theater, and I want everybody to be involved in the discussion. But there was a news story which first appeared on a Dutch news service, which then came over the United States under streamingguider.com which listed the Eternals as being on Disney Plus January 12th, 2022. It's a little bit more than 90 days after it came out. I think that solves the mystery of when Disney is going to allow these movies to be on their streaming platform. I think we're talking about 90 days. Also kind of funny that it's on the 12th again. So maybe it'll be the first 12th after 90 days. (laughs) Could be. Yeah, so you will hear us talking about it whatever day we're recording this after the 12th. Yeah, I haven't even looked up what day of the week the 12th of January is, but yeah, the Thursday after... Friday, I think. Okay, so the Thursday afterwards we'll record, so a week after the 12th, it'll come out at the end of January. Also, we don't know of any Disney Plus series that are coming out in early 2022. Matter of fact, the earliest one we've seen is summer 2022, so that could be it for on-screen properties for us for a few months. Also, since we all enjoyed WandaVision so much, as well as Agatha, and the Agatha All Along song, and Michelle, you were really, you really like that song. I do, yeah. I can't believe it's nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, the song's <laughs> been nominated for a Grammy, which we won't know the results of that until what, uh, May 6th? Yeah. 
it's got some stiff competition, so I don't think it's going to win. We have All Eyes on Me by Bone Burnham from Inside, All I Know So Far from Pink, All I Know So Far, Fight For You by H.E.R. from Judas and the Black Messiah, Here I Am Singing My Way Home by Jennifer Hudson from Respect, and Speak Now by Leslie Odom Jr. from One Night in Miami. All are fantastic songs. The others are all a lot more serious, even All Eyes on Me. Yeah, I don't think it's going to win, but it's just nice to be nominated. The 64th Grammy Awards will air on CBS and stream on Paramount Plus on Monday, January 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So we'll know that week. All right, that's it for the news that we're going to cover this week. There are additional news stories that will be in the show notes. We're just not going to talk about them on the podcast. And if any of them come up in the future, we will refer back to them in the show notes. In the meantime, we've had a fun episode here. We're looking forward to the next episode of Hawkeye. And since we all seem to enjoy the LARPing, we're going to go check out a LARP and get on out of here. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, Consultant Chris. We really appreciate you. And you seem to sound a little bit clearer today. How's that new microphone going? It's going really well. I actually called Kaylee in here earlier because this is the first proper recording with it that I'm counting. I did do a intro to the episode that came out today looking at Kickstarter. Just I was going to do it anyway, but I called my wife in like, hey, you know, here's the new microphone. So she's listening to it. She can't really notice anything from the new one because she doesn't usually listen to my podcast. I just tell her about it later. Mm. So that's okay. But then it goes into the old microphone and I just saw it on her face. Like, Oh yeah, that is different. That's a lot better. (laughs) That's good. By the way, you had an episode came out today. Yes. Today's episode, which is the one with the intro on it is I was talking to Oriana Leckert from Kickstarter and just about, you know, how you can go and make your Kickstarter project be more successful and kind of what's going on over there and good and bad practices and stuff. So once again, it's another thing where my guest is pushing me to want to get this idea in my head written, but also I'm spending the time where I could be writing, talking to people about their cool stuff. So I'm kind of feeding into my own procrastination there. I'm looking forward to checking out the episode on my walk with Puppy Cooper tomorrow. I want to thank everybody who's listening to us or who has listened to us in the past and isn't, in which case, how are you hearing this now? But yeah, feel free to get a hold of us. Tell us what you think about Hawkeye. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you to everyone who listens and downloads and also hop into our Discord. We do have a spoiler channel if you want to, you know, talk details. We do have a channel for the podcast where we share news stories or in general thoughts and so on. Don't forget, if you want to tell me how wrong I am on any certain point, because a lot of people like to do that, you can catch us on our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. And contrary to what we said last episode when we were talking to Shang-Chi, the bus is not necessarily the bus from Shang-Chi. The bus is from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what this podcast was started out from, and we all miss the bus. You can also catch us on our Discord server, which I wasn't on there a lot this weekend, which is probably why you didn't see a lot of discussion about this episode right after it came out, but with the holiday and everything. But I do plan on doing that after we watch on Wednesday. So until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. See everybody next time. Bye. 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 When do you think we'll see our first trick arrow? We already did. See, I'm wrong. You mean our second trick arrow? I'm going to say episode three. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, 
Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I almost forgot what show I was on. Hello? Hi. Hey. Hey. (laughs) I forgot what show I'm doing. (laughs) Completely relatable. There have been times, at least with me, it's just changing the background. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, Scott's computer died yesterday. Like, tried to install Cyberpunk on it. And then immediately it, it died. And it apparently was like the straw that broke the camel's back for something in there. Because mm. it's not working at all now. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can isolate it. So just buy the component or is he going to get the whole new setup? Because that's hard these days. Yeah, it's we're trying. I know there's some parts that should be coming this week. We're waiting on the graphics to see if it's the graphics card until if that doesn't work. The computer is needed to be upgraded for a while anyway, but like we were hoping to wait for February. Yeah. I went ahead and got a new 12 terabyte drive that's in my podcasting ring right now. You replace an eight terabyte drive. Well, it does include the storage for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm like, yeah, I I need to upgrade this because I was down to 108 gigabytes of storage on an eight terabyte drive. Mm. needed to do that and then my laptop needs a new drive i've been fighting with that so and i've been trying for weeks now to get into the new egg shuffle to get a new graphics card yeah scott's thinking of entering the lottery just in case i have been doing it for three weeks i haven't been chosen for anything i don't know if it's the time of year like everybody's like oh, i want to get christmas and you can still get the parts but you pay double Yeah. So I'm not going to pay double for something that I don't want to pay anything for right now anyway. So Chris, first of all, congratulations. What a wonderful episode last week. I haven't listened to this week's either, which seems interesting, but last week's with the X-Men 97, that was awesome, dude. Yeah, Seriously. that I'm so happy that one got pulled off. Thank you. How do I sound, by the way? Sound so, fine to me. Okay. Yeah. Oh no. Sound kind of different. I can't put my finger on why. <laughs> it's a nice new microphone you got there. Why, thank you. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to get into the Haley Steinfeld's reaction to the Young Avengers, she had the Marvel sniper sitting right next to her. And she went across the line just a little bit, and Kevin's reaction was not nice. I mean, he didn't say anything bad, but his, you know, kill with looks sort of thing. I will definitely need to check that out. I put a new story in there for you, Chris, about her role in Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm s- anything. It's sad that I have to take that as like prime ghost spider news (laughs) hawkeye episodes one and two premiered on disney plus wednesday november 24th 2021 that was the eve of thanksgiving in the united states season one episode one and it's probably not going to be a season two but we're just going to go with this was titled never meet your heroes the imdb description reads Archer Kate Bishop lands in the middle of a criminal conspiracy, forking, forking, forking. <laughs> I did put my decoration. I, I'll send you guys a short video. I did put my outside decorations out yesterday because it was warm enough that it wouldn't freeze. But I did. Anybody got any big traditions between now and the holidays? I am going to try making some pan de polvo this year, which are my favorite cookies. How's the pooch? Pretty good. He's asleep on the couch right now. Kaylee doesn't have to make as much pie this year, so (laughs) I will be losing my job of cat wrangler. Why not as much pie? What's going on with that? Just for whatever reason, we don't have as many things that we're going to where she has to make pie. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll see with Omicron what happens with all that. Can any of y'all hear that Omicron name without thinking about Omicron Percy I-8? No, I cannot. I bought a heated jacket so I don't freeze when I'm walking Cooper. I need to get some cold weather gear because we're going to Winter Park, Colorado at the end of December. Nice. Yeah. Is that for work for Scott? No, my family uh, wanted to do a vacation. Okay. So are you skiing? I am. I want to, but I am probably not going to be allowed to. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, I'm not sure that's the best thing for you to be doing, but hey, live your life. (laughs) Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.